This is Page Turners, the broadcast book club brought to you by Muncie Community Schools on WMUN, the talk of Muncie, 92.5 FM, 1340 AM, and Alexa say, play WMUN. Let's join the story now with your hosts, Cam and TC. Thomas, you know what I really like a lot? What's that? Action movies. Me too. Action anything. Give me action. Give me stars and explosions and boom. And I want to know who the bad guy is and why they're the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. You know what's really funny? What's that? We actually talked to an author who makes action books. He specializes in giving the readers that fast-paced rush that we all want. He sure (laughs) does. And by golly, he was a great conversation. He was. He was awesome. So, you know, I think we should share that Zoom of our interview with Tom Abrams with everybody. What do you think? I'm down. Are you sure? Yeah. You think they can handle it? Ooh, I don't know. We'll find out. I guess we will. (laughs) Well, I guess we have to roll it now, right? Let's roll it. So, Tom Abrams, you're an Emmy and Edward R. Murrow award-winning journalist and member of International Thriller Writers. Welcome to Page Turners. Thank you. Could you describe your new book for our listeners and recap of the series as a whole? So, the, the new book, Sons of War 4, Soldiers, uh, is the final book in what is essentially a mafia post-apocalyptic saga uh, that was conceived by Nicholas Sansbury Smith, the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author. Uh, he wrote the first three novels. They launched during... COVID. He moved on to some other projects, but really wanted to give the readers a a final conclusion to this uh, story that's really about two families, one on the right side of the law, teetering close to not being on the right side of the law, and then the uh, organized crime family that dominates all four of these novels. It's intergenerational. You go from father to son, on both sides. It takes place over years. And Nick, uh, because of his busy schedule, uh, asked if I'd be willing to help co-write this fourth novel. And so already being a fan of the series and of his work, I was thrilled to step in to to get a chance as a fan to write uh, this book with him. Uh, it's very rare, you know, you get the opportunity to be in love with something and then get the opportunity to actually tell the story and kind of help decide how it ends. So uh, it was a great process and it's very easy to work with. And I think we give readers really the sort of, you know, fast paced but satisfying conclusion that they all deserve. It's interesting when you talk about co-writing. We've done uh, a couple of episodes of people who have illustrators that they work with. So can you talk a little bit about that process of co-writing something that is it it was established. It was kind of already on a roll. So how was that process? So I've worked with Nick before. Uh, so that helped. And we've been friends for years. Um, he has a best-selling series called Extinction Cycle, uh, which is sort of this zombie-ish tale that really took off and kickstarted his career. And he had a deal with Amazon where people could write what was essentially fan fiction in his world. It was called Kindle Worlds. And because I had a a best-selling book on Amazon called Home at the time, and then also had written in another Kindle world, and those books were doing very well in the post-apocalyptic genre, Nick asked if I would write a story. Told him what story I wanted to write. And he was like, well, that's a story I wanted to tell. So let's do it, but you got to make it novel length, not short story, not novella length. 
So we did that. And then after that program ended, we retweaked it, made it a little longer into a, a longer novel and sort of, so we, we had worked together before passing the book back and forth. So when he approached me about this, it was just an easy process. I'll write something. And because this is his world, he would say, well, I think this character might do this, or I think this might do that. And uh, the biggest challenge for me, I think, was my my style is a little different than Nick's. Uh, I tend to use, because I'm a journalist by trade, I tend to use shorter sentences. I'm a little more direct. Nick uses longer sentences, maybe a little more, he's, I wouldn't say he's more descriptive, but descriptive in a different way. And so kind of matching his style was the biggest challenge for me to make sure that readers can't tell, oh, well, that Tom wrote that, Nick wrote that, Tom wrote that, Nick wrote that. We wanted it all to seem like it fit with the whole series. That seems like it would be really difficult if you're, you know, just <laughs> so focused on one way of writing and then to have to adjust it a little bit both ways. It seems really interesting, but a, a challenge for sure. It was a challenge. Uh, it was It was one of the harder things I've had to do writing wise, but it was, it was worth it because I think my own writing then learns from that. You know, I, I feel like after having written that, the next series I immediately dove into, which is out now, I think is better than the stuff I've written before in large part because of having to stretch the way I tell a story to sort of meet what Nick does but then also to work with the editors that he had worked with who were fantastic, who also kind of say, this is, this works, this doesn't, here's where you should cut, here's where you shouldn't. And, and taking that so that, so that the next story I write is, is even faster paced and there aren't those lags and it's not dragging. So with this book and previous works, do you have any odd writing habits that kind of get you in the zone before you start writing? Good question. So it depends on sort of what my mood is because I have a full-time okay. job. Um, I kind of have to fit in writing where I can. And I, I still have an eight to 10,000 word a week goal, which most of the time I hit. So it depends. Sometimes I'll uh, transcribe in the car on my way to and from work. I'll just talk into a voice recorder and then transcribe it. Uh, and that gets me going. Sometimes I'll listen to music. Uh, and depending on what I'm writing depends on, I have different playlists that kind of get me into the right rhythm. And I do find that when I'm writing action, I write faster. So I want to listen to faster music. And some days, you know, it's a struggle to get a couple thousand words. And then I'll, one day I'll tell my wife, I got 4,500 written today. She's like, wow, how did that happen? Well, cause I was, I was writing action. So it just, it just goes fast. Also, I, I only use these fingers to type, even though I took typing in high school, huh. I don't type normally. I type primarily with these two fingers and then my thumb on the space bar, but because I do it every day in my day job. I'm ridiculously fast. So it's kind of funny to watch me type. That's not necessarily what you asked, but <laughs> it, goes, it goes with sort of the, the weird way in which I work. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to catch Thomas later trying to type with his index, middle, and thumb. Yeah. Just like that all day. I'm like, how does this work? Now, I you mentioned your day job. What got you into writing action and post-apocalyptic thrillers and dystopian stuff? Sure. So I got into journalism originally because of writing. I liked to read as a young kid, I read a lot of Hardy Boys and Encyclopedia Brown and Westerns. I, I read a lot. And that translated into having a love for writing. And so that's kind of what got me into wanting to go uh, to journalism school. And I always wanted to write a novel. And at a certain point, I just, uh, my wife said, you should just do it. And so I started working on it. It took me three years to write the first one. Uh, and it was junk. Then I just couldn't find that it was the right story to write next. And it took me a while. And then I found the right story. It was actually a political themed thriller because I cover politics as a television journalist. And so I wrote this political thriller and then that got me a traditional, I self-published it and then got a traditional deal out of it for five books. 
wrote those five books. And in the meantime, another friend of mine suggested I write in post-apocalyptic world. So I did. That's where I started to make money and to get a fan base and have people expect the next book out. And so I've sort of stuck with that. Um, the only, I think, deviation from that was I wrote a noir thriller. Uh, I was asked to write a, a story in a in an anthology called Houston Noir. It's printed by Akashic. They do those noir thrillers set in cities all over the world. Once that was published and, and out for a while, I had the right to expand it into a novel and did that. So, you know, I, I joke that, yes, I write about politics and the post-apocalypse, but they're essentially the same genre. So with these kind of post-apocalyptic novels and stories, would you like to see any of them turned into a TV series or movie? All of them. Uh, Great actually, answer. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, I do, I, I do, I have a, I do have uh, one, one of my series is, uh, has been optioned. Uh, nothing's happened with it. Uh, the agent who brokered the deal for me said, cash the check and forget about it. So I have, um, that because that was a while ago. I don't know that anything will happen with it. I, you know, I do think, interestingly enough, and I'm not just saying this because I'm here to talk about Sons of War 4, but when listening to this book and then writing it, I see it cinematically. And in part, I think because when Nick conceived of it, it's sort of, it's part Godfather, part Mad Max, you know? And so you can kind of see these characters and see this post-apocalyptic Los Angeles and, and see the, you know, the silk black suits that all these, you know, mobsters wear. And it's just, it's, he really, he created this very cinematic world. So I could see this. I could see this as a movie. I know when Blackstone Publishing sent me the cover of Sons of War for Soldiers, I was like, this is such a movie poster. I love it. It is here. I, so, I just happen to have ah. a copy of the book. Yeah, they, they they did this. They did a great job. And these are the, the two family, the kind of the, the younger guys who become the center of the story, one on each side of the war. And that's, you know, Los Angeles. And, and, and Nick and I had a little bit of say so about what elements we wanted on there, but they really did a great job with it. And it does sort of look like you know a movie poster yeah yeah and you can see kind of what you're getting yourself into just by the cover because when you go to see like an action movie you want to see the action on the poster you want to see it front and center and you get that feeling when you look at the cover of the book i think so you know they say don't judge a book by its cover but everybody judges a book by its cover <laughs> yes and in your case you have a really good cover yes and i think you know it, it, i step into in, into a series that already has fans so that's great you know and the, the big challenge is making sure that that along with Nick, I live up to what those fans expect. Our conversation with Tom Abrams continues after this break. And remember, you're listening to Page Turners right here on 92.5 FM, 1340 AM. This is Page Turners, the broadcast book club brought to you by Muncie Community Schools on WMUN, the talk of Muncie, 92.5 FM, 1340 AM, and Alexa, say play WMUN. Let's continue the story now with your hosts, Cam and TC. My name's Tom Abrams. I'm the co-author of Sons of War Four Soldiers, and you're listening to Page Turners. 
As you were writing this newest novel, did you sit down with Nick and kind of outline where you guys wanted to go and then started to write or did you just jump right on into it? So we talked about it. Um, you know, I've read and listened to the whole series and yeah. uh, Ray Porter is the narrator. He does a fantastic job. And so we talked about kind of where it was going to go. And Nick sent me this very brief outline. I mean, it was not at all filled in, but kind of here's the, you know, here's A, here's G, here's Z. And which I like working that way. And so as we worked through it and we would pass chapters back and forth, if something weren't right, you know, I, there's probably 10,000 words left on the floor. And this is a very long book, but, you know, we worked through things and deleted them or we reordered things. And the beginning, I think the first chapter of the book changed five times. So, um, you know, it, it was a process, but we, Nick and I, I think have only met in person once. Uh, everything else has been, you know, on the phone mm -hmm. or FaceTime or whatever, um, but we worked pretty well together. Could you tell us about your favorite chapter of Sons of War 4, Soldiers? I, I went back yesterday uh, when the book came out on audio and mm -hmm. uh, listened to the first couple of chapters and to the last chapter, because the last chapter in the book is one of my favorites. And, and Nick and I went back and forth about whether or not it should be the last chapter. And ultimately, he kindly enough deferred to me. I guess I made a strong enough argument that this is how the book should, kind of the postscript of the book should end. And I, mm -hmm. I just, it's so unexpected that I love the last chapter. There's also a scene in the middle of the book that's very long, and we had to break it up, where something significant happens with a character who's been missing for a long time. And they think they know where they found this character. And writing that scene, it was a very big, talk about cinematic as I'm, I'm envisioning it as we're writing it. And it felt like this, you know, Ridley Scott type scope scene. And uh, I love that chapter, which is about halfway through the book. I know we've got essentially two main characters that we're kind of following through. Uh, do you identify with one more than another? Ooh, good question. I think... And I didn't, I didn't create these characters. Normally when I create the characters, there's probably somewhere in all of them, a little bit of me somewhere. In this case, yeah, I, you know, I, I like writing the villain probably more than I like writing the hero. And so writing Vinnie Moretti and the Moretti, the mobsters, their characters was, was more fun, I think, than writing the good guys. I don't know that I identified with them, but I certainly had a lot more fun getting inside their head than I did with with the good guys. I don't know what you're that a, says about me. I'm, I was just about to say, you're a man after my own heart. Because like that, every time we talk about books, I want more of the bad guy. I, I want to know why he is the way he is or why they are the way they are. So I find it more fun to follow them than the main guys. <laughs> I think as a writer, the fun part about the villain is that they do and say things that in real life, I could never say or do. And so you're kind of exploring this part of you that would never exist in the real world, but you can you can put on paper and you can vent and you can, you know, do kill off your enemies uh, on paper. Yeah. <laughs> Anything is possible within the pages of a book. It is. It's it's really an escape. And I think that's why I read so much as a, as a kid is, you know, you there's there's so much um, escapism and and learning and creativity because as you're reading, you're thinking what could happen next. And that's, you know, unlike being told what's happening next, say in a movie, in a book, you can imagine a thousand, thousand different things. And I will say this too, that when I'm writing, I don't envision 
what the character's face looks like. So none of, I never am too descriptive in the way that I describe a character, maybe hair color, maybe eye color or facial structure, but I want to leave it up to the reader to create their own version of whoever that character is, who they see in their head. So if I'm overly descriptive, it ruins it a little bit for them, I think. So for everyone that reads or listens to this book, what would you like them to take away when they when they finish it? I'd like them to be breathless and close the book and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's over, but I'm glad I made it through. I mean, that's, I think, you know, the best thing is that they don't want it to be over, but they're relieved that it's over because of this adrenaline rush that they've got uh, from from the way that it concluded. I think that's that's very common in most like action thriller type things, whether it's a comic or a book or a movie. I know my husband really likes action movies. And if it leaves him with, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next, even if it's the final chapter of this thing, just a little bit of a crack of a door. So right. that he can theorize, oh, Lord, I hear it for weeks. <laughs> and that's a real challenge, I think, as as a writer is to is to give your readers what they want, but to leave them still wanting more. Yeah, it's perfect balance of getting across what you want, but also giving them just enough to string them along. Right, exactly. <laughs> so for, you know, aspiring authors, we have worked with some of our local schools with some of uh, the students here who are writing and creating their own books and stories. What advice would you give to those aspiring authors? Don't stop. Don't stop. Just keep, keep at it. You know, I think there are countless stories of writers who've been rejected thousands of times or hundreds of times and then find success. And here's the thing, ultimately, if if you never find the kind of success that buys you yachts and mansions and private planes, if you're telling a story that gives you a creative outlet and release and helps you escape for a little while while you're writing it, that's all you need. And the, the other stuff is the bonus, but just don't stop. And I, I wish I hadn't taken a break for a while. I wish I had just kept plowing through uh, instead of you know, giving in to the to the doubts of, oh, nobody's ever going to read this stuff. Who cares? Who cares if nobody ever reads it? If you're getting joy out of writing it and creating, because the process is really the, the fun part. For me, it's not necessarily, once I'm done, it's no longer mine, it's the readers. So for me, the fun part is is the creating. And so that's, that's my advice is just don't stop. So where can everyone find Sons of War for soldiers? Sure. In ebook, it's available at Amazon exclusively right now, but in paperback, hardcover, uh, it's available everywhere. You can get it in, in uh, at any retailer. The audiobook is available both as a download or an MP3 or CD, and those are available, uh, I think, pretty much anywhere as well. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I know it's it's always nice to get to meet authors, whether it's virtually or in person, and especially for different types of genres than what we usually talk about, which is sci-fi and fantasy. And this gives me a little, little bit something else to read and listen to because I'm a big audiobook person. So thank you so much. Tom for spending some time with us. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Camille. Yeah. That music gets me pumped up. Every time. <laughs> I feel like watching an action movie or reading an action book. Have you read many action novels before or thrillers? 
more thrillers than action. Gotcha. Do you have a, a preference on like what your thriller story is? Because what Tom was talking about for Sons of War 4 is right up my alley. Right? Yeah, it's it got, really is. I love the mixture of like the war between the families. It's, it's very just... Romeo and Juliet minus the romance, oh, and yeah. I am here for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Everybody knows I love a good love story. But I think when you have the opportunity to really go into something like that on a more like gangster level, Mm -hmm. like what Tom was talking about, that gets me more pumped and more like excited to read it more so than anything else. Absolutely. I love how he came into a series that was already established Mm -hmm. and he gave it such a strong finish. Yeah. Yeah. And I think hearing that he came in so, you know, so far, not really far behind, Mm -hmm. but so late in the story and was still able to come up with such a well-rounded tale of this particular franchise is Mm -hmm. fantastic. Yeah. I think what helps is he was already a fan of the franchise. Mm -hmm. So... Just imagine being a fan of something and getting I do that every day. Yeah. I do that every day. (laughs) You know, he talked about his weird writing habits and like Mm -hmm. his way of doing things and to have somebody so accomplished like Tom, who was a journalist Mm -hmm. and who has seen a lot of like in real life instances of maybe some of the situations. I don't know. Maybe we'll have him on again and he can dive into more of his background. I hope so. And that is all the time we have for this episode of Page Turners. Be sure to like us on Instagram, Facebook, and we thank our sponsors, Muncie Community Schools, for always supporting us. And in the meantime, give our past episodes some listens at WMUNMuncie.com. See you next week.